next seven days, the world's eyes will be upon Phoenix. And the bummer is, the bummer is it's going to be 45 and 75 degrees with sunshine. That tells people, see, I wish they had the big game, if you will, so I won't get in trouble, uh, in August. So people will come and visit and go, I don't want to live there. But when they come this time of year, they're going, if that's the way it is all the time, let's move there, right? Yeah, yeah, it's not this way all the time, so just enjoy it and go home. That's the best way to say it. Unless you're coming to Renovation Church, and we would love to have you move here. That would be the other part of that. Okay, that's the other part of that. Unstoppable force. Talked about the unstoppable purpose. The unstoppable, unstoppable people, unstoppable. Is Israelites, the unstoppable church, the unstoppable family. Today we're going to talk about and, and wrap this up, if you will, the unstoppable mission. What if you got up each day convinced there is nothing to fear about death, persecution, or otherwise because the forces of heaven protect you until the mission is accomplished and God calls you home? You have nothing to worry about because you've stepped in to that calling. That the whole purpose of this life is not simply getting to the end and hope you got a passing grade on your spiritual choices. That you're on a mission that you personally have a specific purpose that God has called and equipped you. And nothing can stop it. Oh, except maybe you. You can choose not to accept this mission. I know we could do a whole... Mission, mission Impossible music up here, right? Well, it's Mission Possible. Because God calls and God equips. He knows your name. Jesus was on a mission. He says, I came to seek and save those who are lost. He said, I came to do the will of who? The one who sent me. Jesus didn't make it complicated. I came to seek and save those who are lost. And I came to do the will of the Father. That's what I came to do. Now, was he tempted? Could he have got off track? Was he taken into the desert for 40 days? Could, could that have gotten off track? Maybe. I don't know how all that works. But all I know is, could it have gotten off track and we not be here today celebrating the freedom we have in Christ? Maybe. Again, I don't know how that works. I figure God would have figured out another plan, but we, this is my point. Jesus, when he was accomplished, he ascended. When the mission was accomplished. And then all of the worst thing, like we've said a hundred times here, the worst plan was, then he turned the mission over to who? Us. But not without the power. We try to accomplish the mission. We talked about it a few weeks ago. We try to accomplish the mission without the power of the Holy Spirit. We're in trouble. Up on the screen, there's a few mission statements from around town. Win people to Christ, train believers to become disciples, and send disciples to impact the world. 
helping people meet, know, and follow Jesus. To empower people for Christ's ministry in their daily lives, home, school, workplace, church, and community. We exist to point people to Jesus by loving them like Jesus. Live by faith, known by love, be a voice of hope. Said this last week, and I want to bring it back in as we wrap up this series. One of the things that's so awesome when you see this in play is when all are convinced this is the best way to live. When those who attend a church, those who are part of a family, those who are part of a business, we see that one of the most critical places it breaks down, I believe, when you watch a family or you watch a church or you watch a business or, yes, maybe a country, when you see, when you see it break down is when they, they, they disagree on who we're supposed to be and where we're headed to. Are you sure you see it in families? Done this long enough. You see it in ministries. You see it in churches. But I don't think we are called on this thing called life to meander. James talks about being blown here, even as believers, blown here and there by every wind and doctrine. We get up one day and we're going here, get up one day and we're going up. Jim Collins talks about if you want to sow mediocrity, just have chronic inconsistency. I'd say this to your parents. If you want to have mediocrity in your kids' faith about where they should be headed and what they should be doing, just have this chronic inconsistency of living out the faith in front of them. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. You have one job, what is it? Talked about it last week. You have one job. You said, Kurt, I have hundreds of jobs. You don't know what it's like a parent to be a, apparently to be a parent. One job. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. Everything else flows from that. Everything else flows out. So we're on a mission. We're called to go somewhere. We're called for a purpose, a greater purpose. When you see that last one up there, to live, live by faith, known by love, be a voice of hope, that is Renovation's mission statement. Now, that comes from a book and, uh, uh, that we read many years ago. You, 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 you've probably never heard of it. It's called Unstoppable Force. Oh, a sermon series. We can, let's just do that. Why don't we try that? Right? But the reason why we use that is out of 1 Thessalonians 1. It's 2 through 9 I'm going to read. I think 10 is going to be up there too. But we all thank God. It's Paul writing. We all thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Remember for our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope your endurance on this mission is inspired by our hope in Jesus Christ. That's the reason why you are a voice of hope, because you believe in Jesus Christ in such a way that he is not leaving you hanging, he hasn't forgotten you, he has a purpose for you, and when it's done, just like David in Acts 13, 36, when David served God's purpose in his own generation, what? Fell asleep. God took him home. What a great epitaph. It goes on to say, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit 
and what? Deep conviction. Not just a meandering, not just a good intellectual thing that I now know more than I used to know, but it comes with a deep conviction where now it has moved me to do something. It has moved me to follow Christ. It's moved me to listen to the Spirit. And as He changes me and He transforms me, I'm willing. Sometimes, sometimes not, but I'm open to going where He's taken me. Not only spiritual change, but sometimes even physical movement, right? Sometimes. You know how, how he lived, you know how he lived among you for your sake. You became imitators as a, of, of us and of the Lord. Imitators. Paul says earlier in another, I think it's in Corinthians, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So he says, you become imitators of me, and hopefully you become imitators of me because I'm imitating Christ. That, that's what he's saying. So when we talk about here that our vision statement, don't put it up there right now, but our vision statement here is to raise up influencers. That's what we're talking about. We want to be imitators of Christ so people will say, I don't want to be like you. I want to be like Jesus because I see Jesus in you. I don't want you. I don't want to be like Kurt Gentry. Kurt Gentry's got all of his baggage and all that. I don't want to be that. But I want to be what I see in Jesus out of Kurt Gentry. I want to take that. So Paul's saying... We, we, want to, we were imitators of Christ, and you, now you've looked at us and of the Lord. You welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. With the joy given by the Holy Spirit. So you became model, a model to all the believers. You became the example. You want to become examples. Even in severe suffering, even in the hardest time, we've talked about Paul. Paul's ministry on earth should have ended how many times? But it wasn't until God had accomplished his mission in Paul, God took Paul home. We look at Peter. We look at it over and over. But it goes on to say, the Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, even though he just did, right? Uh, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. We talked about it last week. An unstoppable family, an unstoppable organization calls out the idols identifies the idols and calls them out. Don't have time to preach that whole sermon, obviously. So that's why if you want to know where do we get our mission, mission statement, where do we get that thought of why we want to be here, we want to be people with, with the, empowered by the Holy Spirit and deep conviction about the things of the kingdom. Become imitators of Christ. Then become a model of what that is. You look around the valley, wherever you are in, in, in the United States or wherever, you know, maybe around the world listening to us today, you may be visiting from somewhere. You look around and go, Kurt, if you knew how many churches were in my community, there are so many churches, there's one on every corner. Me look in this valley, how many, I mean, we just look at a few mission statements of great churches. I believe great churches. But we look at those churches, 
And we go, man, there's more megachurches around here than you, you, you know, you'd know what to do with, right? You go, man, that's crazy how many megachurches, churches of 2,000 or more that are here in this valley. Why one more church? Why would you, why don't everybody just go join CCB right down the street or Redemption right down the street or, or that? Well, why, do, why don't we just all do that and then... Good question. It's one I have pondered, believe me. I really have. I don't just say that. I really have pondered that. Why one more church? Well, one thing is the statistics tell us that close to 8,000 churches a year are going to close in the United States of America. 8,000 a year. Okay? And I'm going to tell you this. Many of them should be closing. Because they forgot. It's not the fact they're dying. They forgot why they existed in the first place. There's a lot of other reasons, and I don't want to cast everybody under the same net. You know that, and I know that. There's a reason why this church closed for uh, almost a year and opened back up. It's not because people didn't love the Lord. It's because, because people didn't want to see their church grow. There was just other reasons. We know there's other reasons why people get there. So please do not hear what I'm not saying. 8,000 churches a year. Churches in America cannot keep up with the growth that is happening, especially here in the valley. The population growth that's happening here, there's not enough churches. There's just not. The people who need Jesus, but just building church buildings are not enough. And having cool services and great music and all the things that go with it, that's not what I'm talking about. The church is exploding around the world, especially in the church of the Nazarene. It's exploding. And they don't have anything like we got. Okay, they just don't. So your own mission. So why this church? Why here? Why renovation? I do think there's some distinctives that I want to share with you today that, that, that we do bring to the table. And it's not because I'm trying to get you to join our posse or our crew or, or whatever else. I just need you to know, I think it's best that you, and it goes back to what I said earlier, if we all kind of know we're going in the same direction, uh, you know, we all agree this is the best way to live, it sure helps you, me as a lead pastor, to know that you know what we're trying to do. Because I, I have seen people come into churches before try to get it to go a different direction and causes disunity and, and actually causes splits. This, per, this particular physical plant here has experienced that in its lifetime. Not since we've been here. But it has in the last 50 years. And it's unfortunate. One of the things we bring to the table, I believe, is the Wesleyan holiness message. John Wesley's thought on what we call radical optimism is this. You got that up there? Okay. By salvation, I mean not barely deliverance from hell or going to heaven. That should say heaven but a restoration of the soul to its primitive health, okay? A recovery of the divine nature, the renewal of our souls after the image of God and righteousness and true holiness and justice and mercy and truth. In other words, it's this radical optimism that there is no limit on what God can do in your life. There is no limit on what God can do in a church. There is no limit on what God can do in a community. This radical optimism, I could not teach I could not preach what we do in uncommon training if I did not believe that. I would not do it. 
It's because I'm, a, I'm because I'm a holiness preacher in this van that I have been working on uncommon for all these years. Because I believe that. I believe scripture backs it up. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want? And I'm not just talking about made up want. Who wouldn't desire to have a salvation that doesn't run hot or cold or makes me feel guilty most of the time or just barely gets me into heaven and keeps me barely out of hell? Who doesn't? What, what if one really restores me back to what God designed me for in the first place? Well, what would that be like? So you see why I get excited when I talk about this. It, the entryway, no doubt, is, is accepting Christ as your Savior, but that's just the entry point. I think one of the distinctives are, distinctives are that we're part of the Church of the Nazarene. Now, obvious, part of that is obvious. We are part of the Church of the Nazarene. To some of you, it may not be obvious. You may not know that. Maybe the first time you're hearing that. That 13% minimum, 13% minimum of all tithes and missions that come into this church go somewhere else. So we tithe above and beyond. And it goes to a lot of different things and supporting a lot of different things around the world and in the United States. But to think about this, that you were one here at this local church. We support ministries here that have nothing to do with the Church of the Nazarene. I shouldn't say nothing, but they, but they believe in Christ. I'm not meaning it that way, but they're not associated directly. So we're one. We can do things here as a local body that we can decide right here, but we're also a part of 165 world areas. Why is that distinctive amongst all the larger churches around town that are doing great missions? I think it's awesome what they're doing. If you can go look at some of their things they're doing, it's awesome. But I don't know of any of them that can say that they've already strategically planted churches and hospitals and, 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 and children, compassionate ministry sites and children's ministries and all those strategically in 165 world areas. It's not a competition. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm going to say that probably a lot of times this morning. But it does make us distinctive. It does make us unique. It does make us reproducible. The colleges and universities around the world that you support, you, by giving here, you support. Not me, you. When you look at it, it's just, you need to go to ncm.com or .org maybe. You need to go on there and just start reading about what you are involved in around the world of the story after story. It's a magazine, I think, it comes out each quarter that just tells you stories of what you're doing, you are helping happen around the world. It's phenomenal. It makes us unique. It doesn't make us better, but it does make us unique. Why would you not want to talk about that? Why would you not want to share that with people? Church of the Nazarene, I think the distinctive in the world we live in today, uh, we are called a big tent many times by some across the way, you know, uh, the big tent group, meaning that we don't always agree on every issue and we still love one another. Jesus says in John 13, 34, 35, a new commandment I give you, right? That you love one another as I loved you, that you Love one another. By this, all men shall know 
that I have chosen you as my disciples if you love one another. Why would that not be an enormous priority when we come together? Because what he's saying, everything I've done when I came to earth hangs on the fact of whether you love one another or not. So Francis Schaeffer said, our relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. And you can take that for what it's worth, but I do believe what it allows us to do in the Church of the Nazarene, or the middle way, we call it many times, the via media, if you will, that kind of middle place, and Dr. Dan talks about it, where he and I talk about it a lot, there's ditches on both sides, and we try to go down the middle, but let me say, that doesn't mean straddling the fence. Let me be real clear on that. But what it does mean, let's don't make things that are secondary primary. Let's don't make things third dairy primary. Let's don't make things fourth dairy, fourth dairy primary. And I know you're saying that boy's from Arkansas. Yes, I am. But let me tell you, I know the right words to use there, but you wouldn't remember them. But you may remember third dairy and fourth dairy. Because what happens for many of our lives, we base our lives on working on fourth dairy things and third dairy things, and we miss the primary. Your life, not just the churches. I'm not talking about just here. You don't know how often as your lead pastor, I get so frustrated because I'm working on third dairy and fourth dairy things. I've been called to this over here, but I'm working on those. Part of that is we have four and a half acres here, four and a half acres here about 40,000 square feet, a 50-year-old building, and we have to try to keep it going. allows us to work with other churches. Arise is a great example of what we do here, of other denominations. Because we try not to get in the ditches on certain things. How we do sacraments probably drives other people crazy. We even do gluten-free. <laughs> says it right there. So if you're gluten-free, grab the one that says gluten-free, just so you know, okay? You don't do it every Sunday. You don't do it every service. Some, some Nazarene churches do. That's awesome. We just believe as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. We do open communion where many churches don't. You have to be a member of that church, specifically that local church, not just the denomination, but that local church. But we're open communion. In fact, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, just come and participate with us. So we're a little different in that. Where some Nazarene churches are a little more liturgical. You won't find that here. We will not celebrate, even though we believe in it, we're not going to celebrate Ash Wednesday on the 22nd. We won't have a service here. But we believe in Lent. I know people who say if they don't go through Lent, their, their personal journey with Jesus Christ is not real. That's great. It's just not me, and it's not what we do here. But it's awesome. I, I don't have any issue with that. Baptism. The amount of water... Sprinkle to immersion. That's us. 6 day creation. We believe that God created the heavens and the earth. Mid, pre, post, mid, pre, 
post, we believe Jesus is coming again. Medicine, you had enough faith, you would, we believe in the mystical and we believe in the rational. Vaccine, no vaccine, mask, no mask. Why did I just say that out of my mouth? My point with that is, we're trying to stay out of the ditches. And I realize I'm going to make some people not happy on one side and some people not happy on another side. That probably means we're doing the best job on some things. When it comes to political, you don't hear me talk about that up here much at all. I'm so thankful for those, some are even here today, some are members of our church who work in the legal part to help our churches across this nation specifically. And I am so thankful for them that they are on our side and they're in the trenches working. I'm thankful for politicians who are doing that. But I'd rather be thankful in the politicians that are statesmen, that are people of noble purpose. That's what I hope. But when politics becomes a means to an end, I believe the church always loses, and it for sure gets it off mission, in my opinion. Do we take stands on things around here? You bet. Do I have an opinion on things that I don't share from this pulpit? Yeah. Am I a registered independent? Yes. Do I, am I conservative in my social thinking? You know I am because I'm a Nazarene pastor. All you got to do is look up the Church of the Nazarene, and I believe that. So you just need to know that. I'm not, I'm not trying to run anybody off, but here's the deal. I don't try to make that the big issue in here. I would rather love you, be your pastor, be a part of the conversation, and we get there. But don't misunderstand that we don't take stands. But there are certain things where we want to make, when it lines up with Scripture or the character of God, we are going to try to take a stand. If we understand it, we're going to take a stand on that, but we don't come in here and beat you over the head with it unless we need to help you understand where we are. Because one of the things is, really from the Church of the Nazarene, is we try, unless, unless Scripture clearly defines it, we just try not to make it a primary issue. We, we look at the Apostles' Creed. Yes, do we believe women should be in a the ministry? There are people who look at us, who, who can lead and preach and lead men. Yes, we believe that. We believed it for 125 years of the Church of the Nazarene. So just so you know, and our heritage, the Western heritage, it's it traced back to that also. But hear me. I have no problem working with and believing there are other churches who don't believe that's right, we're still going to work alongside them. But if you don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is and his purpose for coming is why he came, then we may have a problem there. Doesn't mean I won't love you. Doesn't mean I can't do some things with you, but, that, but we're not on the same mission. Do I believe in voting? Yes. For sure, I believe in praying and researching and voting the best you can. Do I wish I got to vote for more things instead of voting against things? You bet. Spend most of my, life, my adult life voting against stuff, not voting for it. And it's very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. 
What's our job here? Number one, besides loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbors ourselves. Jesus says it in Matthew 26, 19, therefore go and make disciples. Acts 1.8, you shall be my witnesses. Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Our intention here is to make disciples. That doesn't mean we won't take stands and try to make a difference in specific things. But our number one goal here is to make disciples, imitators of Jesus. Have we done a very good job for the first 10 years? I can't say that we have. But I believe God has renewed in me the vision that that needs to be critical in who we are and where we're headed. Because that's what we're called to do. Hope and pray that you will see as a son of a veteran, as a member of a Gold Star family, that our patriotism and our patriotic bent to this nation is unwavering. That even above my marriage, above my kids, above this church, my loyalty is to the one who saved me, to the one who called me do the best I can and I need accountability when it doesn't work because I believe the best decisions for everybody I'm in leading and most of the time or most often I am in a position of leadership for whatever reason I'll make the best decisions for them if I keep that forefront one thing I'm convinced of that men women young and old long the spirit, his presence, his ability to change us. I read a report this week that was just so encouraging. From a Barna study that's just been done in the last few months, there are signs of hope in some of these things that we've been passionate about. Let me put that slide up if you would, please. The young people, the young Gen Zs, would like to grow spiritually? That's the question. Would you like to attend church more often? That's not the question. The question is, would you like to grow spiritually? They did a, they say it's the largest study they've ever done, and it's around the world too, that 76% of teenagers say they want to know more about Jesus and that the Jesus is relevant in their lives. 76. Do you hear that term? Number 76. Now, I don't know how all those statistics work, but that gives us some hope that there's 44% of Americans from their statistics are more open to things of God than they were before the pandemic. If all the things the pandemic has done and disrupted and all the things in your life and my life and everything that goes with it, there's a possibility there could be revival that comes out of it. And see, I, I believe I, a few years ago, about 15 years ago, I did a deal at Crossroads of where I was, Crossroads Nazarene. I was still in the youth ministry or kind of half in, half out kind of deal. But we brought a hundred, we had a lot of teenagers. We brought a hundred teenagers up on the stage and brought them, scattered them all across the stage, a hundred teenagers, because at that time, at that time, 60% 
of all teenagers, the statistic was 60% of all teenagers who attended a church, not just population, a church, by the time they were second year in college, I think they had turned their back on the church. 60%. So what we had was, as a visual, to turn, hey, we had 60 of the 100 kids turn their back as a visual. The unfortunate thing was I turned around and two of my kids were the ones that had their backs turned. Now, did that mean they would? Of course not. It was an illustration. But now we're seeing, that they're saying the biggest thing right now is, is that the young people, even older Gen Zs and millennials, are more blank slates because they've been away from church so long. But the one thing they want to do, they want to grow. It doesn't make sense otherwise. It doesn't make sense just to attend unless it changes you, unless it gives you freedom. I love this James Ryan Smith quote that I gave you a few weeks ago. He said, what is at stake is that the world is waiting to see if Christian followers can attest to a real, genuine, dare I say, mystical experiences where we possess knowledge that is experiential and relational. That is eternal life. You've heard me quote Dallas Willard many times. He says that never in Scripture is knowledge used outside experiential knowledge, ever. When you talk about knowledge in Scripture, if it is not experiential, and again, we could talk about, and don't even put it up there, I had it in my slides, the Wesleyan quasi-quadrilateral of how we come to truth. We're not going to get into that right now. We're at the end of the sermon. If you ever want to talk about that, I'd love to. But one of them is experiential. It's by, it is just one piece. A few weeks ago, I preached on Ezekiel. Son of man, do you believe these dry bones can live again? Well, you know, Lord. Renovation Church, do you believe this? These millennials and Zs and boomers can live again? Only you know, Lord. God's Spirit gave breath to the dry bones. Life entered the corpses after they became flesh. Breath was breathed and they rose up as what? A vast army. Life now is apparent. And what God was saying to, to us, I think, in those story, that story and to Ezekiel, and the Israelites too. This is not over. Till I say it's over. The mission's not done till I say it's done. I have the last word. I have the last word on your life. I have the last word on this world. I have the last word. Christ's church has survived through the centuries when it should not have. It has survived in spite of itself. Thank goodness, because God is protecting it for his purposes. 
when the spirit is welcome, the effect should be undeniable and unmistakable. People should be getting set free. Shame, bondage, sin, not just to barely get into heaven, but to now step into the mission purpose that God has for them. Many years ago, on the end of a sabbatical in 2004, I went to Four Peaks. I wish I had a picture up here. Many of you may not know where it is, but just look out east. And I sat up there by myself for hours, jug of water and my Bible. And this prayer came out of my mouth. And I don't know why it did, but I just said in that part, at that time, I was a part of one of the fastest growing churches here in the valley. Especially Nazarene, for sure. In the denomination around the world, maybe. And I just said, Lord, you know my heart is not to raise up a mega church. But it is to raise up mega people. That's not change. How God goes about that and what he's going to do to get it that there, I don't know all of it. But he show, I think he showed me parts of it. What I love about a statement I heard years ago. Living outside God's mission, living inside of God's will or God's mission is dangerous. Living outside of God's will and mission is dangerous. Here's the deal. Living inside God's mission makes you dangerous. Unstoppable. That he calls you home. Amen? Won't you stand with me, Josiah? Guys, won't you come on up? I give a little instruction here. This morning we are going to participate again in one of the sacraments and, the, and you know, one of the adjustments COVID did for us, unfortunately, but we, but we don't feel like we're locked into it. We used to come and pick up the bread and dip it in the cup and share communion a little different, didn't we? Those who were part of it. I love that. But, but we've changed it. And just so you know, uh, just logistically, if it's your first time here, what we'd like for you to do is everybody on this side come down this aisle and return back up the middle. Same over here. Everybody come down this aisle, pick up your elements and go back to your seat. If you would stand once you get there, sing. And again today, we, don't, we do it differently each time, uh, is to go ahead and take the elements as you feel led to. You feel the need for that. As often as you do it, week I had the opportunity as we're going through Uncommon and thank you for there's about 55 plus people not 55 years old but 55 plus we have terms used differently here in the valley right over 55 people how about that are a part of Uncommon right now and this week was working through their blind spots but there were two parts of that blind spot of things that I don't see about myself but I need somebody else to help me see but one part of it was, was also to remember, Lord, how far you've brought me. Thank you. Not only from my salvation, but even 10 years ago when we started, it's where you've brought me from. That I'm not the same guy anymore. Continue to transform me. Because we're transformed and we what? Being transformed. 
see Jesus face to face. So as we come today, as I pray for us, as you're at home or around the world, we come today in remembrance of Christ's body was tortured, hung on that cross because he loved us come to save us and to seek us out. Lord, we thank you today for seeking. Thank you for not getting off mission. <laughs> and Lord, we come today to thank you for the blood that was shed as a sacrifice that we could find life and freedom and be returned back to what you designed us for in the first place. Lord, thank you. And Lord, I pray just in this moment that maybe for some, if they're able to do this, some came to know you as a little child, some as an adult, but maybe, just maybe, Lord, some need to just remember what it was like. Maybe right before. Lord says to examine ourselves. But Lord, as your people come, where they partake with their seats or wherever, they would examine themselves. Your glory. Every day. Joy in our hearts. We love you. Thank you for this time. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You come as you feel led.